Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole, the host and producer of the Found Down Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I, of course, appreciate all of your support and there wouldn't be a show without you. So I just want to say thank you. Also, I have a special request, and that is I'm looking for stories. I'm looking for funny stories. I'm compiling an episode soon. It'll be a funny episode. So I want to hear from you. So email me a funny story at founddownpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave me a voicemail at 662-446-2834-662-446-2834. Okay, now a moment about our sponsor. Did you know that it's National Nurses Certification Day this March 19th? Are you certified? Well, Nicole Kupchik, Critical Care CNS and Educator, our sponsor, has a variety of different certification courses. She's got live Zoom courses. She's got online courses for the CCRN, for the PCCN. It's an awesome book bundle for the CCRN that includes ACE, the CCRN study guide, and practice questions. Listen, I learned so much when I studied for my CCRN exam, and it really helps you own your practice and feel empowered. So go to NicoleCupchickConsulting.com and check out all of her resources that are available. She's offering the Found Down listeners 20% off all of her products. So it's use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 at checkout. That's lowercase FOUNDDOWN20 at checkout. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, here is our next episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and today we're talking to Shana Cantoni. She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner, mental health, and with a background of working in mental health corrections and the community, and recently started working as a trauma therapist. So hopefully today we're going to talk about mental health and corrections, our system that I might have judgments about. <laughs> like Maybe there's some... I, anyway, we'll get into that, and then maybe we'll talk about nurses and trauma. But Shana, before we do any of that, how are you doing today? Like really? Hi, thank you. I'm actually doing really well. I feel like the sunlight has come back. I feel like um, a couple of months ago, I was telling my clients that we're headed in for 
a long period of darkness and whatever strategies you have to get by, um, to make sure that you know what they are and that you, you use them. And then last week I woke up and I realized, uh, I think we made it through. I think we made it through. We, <laughs> we did. Daylight savings is this Sunday, which means it's we're going to hit. What is I always forget. It's not the equinox, but whatever date that is. It, anyway, we're obviously forward. We are. We are. That means our days are going to get longer. And I days was just going to get longer. It seems like people are being vaccinated. People are being out and about more. Hopefully kids will be back in school soon. And um, I feel like we have all been through a year of a really super hard time. Mm. And um, we're just kind of now, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of grief and a lot of things that we have to kind of process. Um, but I feel like we're kind of getting to the point where we will be able to put this behind us. I mm. hope I'm not speaking too soon, but that's kind of the sense that I get. I'm crossing all my fingers and my toes. <laughs> I hope I hope I have that same sense and I hope that is that it is right. I do. No, there have there have been a lot of great. Well, I feel like a lot of great things that have happened, and, and that are, you know, obviously with vaccinations, and oh, we have a different president, and you know, um, there's yeah. just a lot that's and you know, hopefully we narrow that window with uh, and maybe get to herd immunity soon. So, but how have you been? How's this year been for you? Like living, have you have you switched over to all Zoom? focused well, no, sessions I have, and a, um, I have like a three quarter a three quarter time job at the king county jail and i have been going there um to work since this whole time and um and then my private clients i have really been seeing remotely mm-hmm. for the most part um but still paying for an office space that hopefully i will get back to um but i have been going into the into the jail and, um, you know, I have colleagues there who I like a lot. And, man, we are really close. Mm. Oh, I, I love <laughs> They're the only I, people I've seen all year, aside from my family. <laughs> it's so great to work with people that you love. Speaking of your work there, I think it's so interesting. You know, you work in a – you probably you work with probably very vulnerable folks. And um, can you talk a little bit about your – work in the jail with mental health and corrections like how long have you been doing it and what your role is I have been working in my current position going on 10 years next month prior to that I worked for like three or four years out at Monroe and um, I kind of got into corrections actually when I was a nursing student in 1997 I had a rotation at the jail and I just was so enthralled by what I saw there. And I can't really explain why. Mm. Um, or maybe I can, I can certainly, certainly try, you know, um, the United States incar- incarcerates like 2 million pe- people and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people are incarcerated, they're put away. Like you don't see them. They are not a part of our, you know, at, well, they're, they're just kind of, they're they're put somewhere else and um it's fascinating to kind of go into some of those to to go in and to kind of see who's there and how how they are and what they're like and 
Um, so there's that. And then the other part of that is there are a lot of people who are mentally ill who are locked up. Our society, you know, 40 year, years ago, maybe even more than that, decided that we needed to let people out of wherever they were, wherever they were kept and cared for and have them be out in the world. And um, it hasn't really worked that well for a lot of them. Mm. And so many folks who are mentally ill find themselves in jail. And so if you would like to do work with folks who are mentally ill, like that's kind of where they are. And so, um, you know, it's all been, things have been kind of revamped in order for us to provide care for these folks. Um, it's not like a intuitive thing, though, because people don't go to jail because they're sick. They go to jail because they're having some kind of legal problem. So if you're ill and you're in jail, the um, being able to like provide care and to take meds or what have you, it's just not set up necessarily for that. So, um, you know, there's just a whole lot of things that need to kind of change because when you're in a jail, you're worried about being safe, right? It's all about yeah. being safe. So actually the jail, it's a very safe place to work. I've been there for almost 10, 10 years and I've, you know, had a pretty safe time. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of folks kind of have to change the way they do things in order for us to be able to kind of do our jobs and make sure that clients kind of get their needs met. The um, COs that are there, the um, like the guards or what have you, mm -hmm. um, many of them were never ever thinking that they would be taking care of folks who are ill. It was never a part of what they thought or what they what they thought their jobs would be. And um, I can safely say that most of the experiences that I've had in the jail with the COs have been really positive. Mm. Many of them are kind of tough guys. And mm -hmm. I almost feel like it's like wink, wink um, on the inside, not even too far inside. They're <laughs> actually fairly they have a lot of, you know, good feelings about who we're taking care of and mm -hmm. they go out of their way to make sure that people get their needs met and they go out of their way to make sure that we're safe there. And um, some of the clients that we have are very, very ill and they um, need to have people who are like watching out for them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, for the most part, they do, they do that there. I can tell you that I have had many times where I've had a CEO come up and tell me that they are, we're, we're, that there's so, somebody who they see who they don't think is, do, is doing well. And I've gone over to see them and, you know, but for that happening, who knows what would have happened. So they definitely look out for the folks there. Mm, so they're kind of like your eyes and ears while you're not there. Yes. Oh. Uh, one thing that a word that came to mind when you were describing the work that you do is that a lot of what you see and experience and the people that you help, it's, it's so hidden. Yeah. And yeah. like these folks are voiceless. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's, I mean, it's heavy. I, I, I feel like our system has been the same way for, I mean, that's a grand generalization, but like 
it feels like well, there hasn't been a lot of pr- progress, but I don't know if we we can speak to that maybe a little bit in a minute. But I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you're it's like, what's a normal kind of client experience? So you, you have one of your clients, they, they somehow they land in jail. You get called like, Hey, come, do you, do you have like a caseload of folks that you yeah. watch over? The way the jail is set up, there are parts of it that are dedicated to people who are mentally ill and they range from folks who are kind of a little bit more chronic and not quite as symptomatic to folks who are very ill. And um, I have worked on that part of the jail for, gosh, six years. I don't know. It's been a long time. Um, And those folks, for the most part, are in a cell by themselves. Um, There is, um, on a cell door, there's like a hole, like halfway down the door that that locks. Mm -hmm. And that's where like meals are served. And that's Mm -hmm. where things kind of get passed back and forth. And oftentimes that's where I see folks is through a little, through that door. And um, sometimes we, we can't even do that. Um, so the the amount of time, well, actually that's not, not true. Uh, I was gonna say the amount of time I spend is not really too long, but that's not true. Cause sometimes someone will, 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 will talk and you'll kind of have this chance. Um, so I see folks there. We do rounds. There are set times during the the day. We know them well. I've been there for years now. So there are clients who I have seen in and out of the jail over the years. You know, I kind of have a little bit of a reputation, I guess, or I don't know. I, I kind of see myself as being like this, you know, okay, we're, 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 we're going to go with the, with the premise that the world is not a perfect place. Okay. So with that said, <laughs> for folks who are mentally ill and mm-hmm. who struggle with that and who maybe use drugs he- he- here and there, or who maybe don't have a safe place to stay, they're coming to the attention of the Pope of the police is kind of high mm-hmm. and they come in, into jail and that's where I see them. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of see my role as being a person who kind of takes care of them when they're in jail. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Like usually that means obviously like psych is all about Medicaid, all about the meds. So finding mm-hmm. out what are, what are the meds, finding a way to get them to actually take them. We don't have a whole lot of things we can use to engage them. We have magazines, mm. um, we have books, and we have like soap products. And those are the things that we can kind of use to kind of get the people to realize that we're on their side, right? Mm. And um, But when you've been there for a while and you see people kind of cycling through you get to know them and they get to know you and it's just like I'm taking care of you because you're here now right Mm -hmm. and it's not uncommon actually for me to see folks on the street who I know from the jail Mm -hmm. and I have a 17 year old son now and um he he's been, been, been aware of the work that I've done over the years and back when I was kind of more cool to him he would be like wow mom you're like famous <laughs> so everybody like hey Shana <laughs> so if I see people on the street if I have like food I give them food or give them dollars you know just like whatever it is just so that they know that um you know looking out for them 
Mm. It's a special relationship. Probably, uh, I'm imagining a lot of those folks feel like no one's in their corner. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You, you're able to be there for them. Um, yeah. So then the other part of the jail, so that's just like the really intense, like psychiatric floors of the jail, which is a pretty intense place and where I do spend a lot of time. And then there are also folks there who um, can come out and sit down with you in a room and kind of talk about what is going, what, what's going on with them. And I do that like a day or two each week. And um, again, it's not like, yeah, I'm going to sit down with somebody and talk to them for an hour. It's a shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, you know, like part of that, 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 that job is just to kind of, you know, check in with folks, see how they are. A lot of trauma, a lot of trauma, a lot of, I feel bad. A lot of like, I can't sleep. I have like my thoughts go round and round. I have nightmares. I feel de- depressed. I don't know when I'm going to get out of here. I don't know what's going on. Um, so a lot of like those kinds of complaints. Mm-hmm. And again, the role there is to prescribe meds. And, um, you know, obviously there's a place for, for that. I kind of, I learned when I was working at Monroe, where there were people who were incarcerated for years, years, who had horrible life stories mm-hmm. um, and who had very little hope in their lives. I learned um, at that time that, you know, the only thing that I really had to offer them was just to be to be there and to hear them and to, um, that, to and to try to validate whatever experiences or thoughts or feelings that they had. And I met people who had been taking psychiatric meds for years who had no idea what they were for. And so I would mm. teach them and um, tell them about, about whatever it was. And I felt like that was a really useful way to kind of interact with folks. And I realized that a lot of the folks who, who I met there hadn't really had a lot of chances of somebody actually listening to them. And um, so that's kind of the approach that I have with the folks who I see now also at, at the jail of just being like, you know what, you got problems, your life has been hard, you've had all these things go on, you have all these pro- problems, now you're in jail. I'll be honest with you, like no pill I can give you is gonna make that better. Like it's, mm-hmm. you're in a bad spot. Um, but I can st- certainly spend some time here with you hearing what you're talking about and just, you know, being somebody who, who, um, who, who's there. And um, I often will sneak in a little bit of mindfulness and that's really great. And I tell folks about the vagus nerve, which mm-hmm. is a nerve that comes off your brainstem, goes down to your gut when you expand it. It makes your heart rate calm down. And you can do that wherever you are, whenever you are, you can always do that. So I have folks do some breathing. And it's often in an awkward position, like either they're behind a locked door and I'm talking through a pass-through. Or last week I was talking to somebody and he was really on guard. He didn't want to close his eyes. 
And we were like sitting in a place where people were like kind of walking back and forth. So there was a lot of noise. (laughs) 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 But you still try, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I have people like, you know, like, like you, like I have them do certain kinds of breaths and like a little, like a, like a scan, you know, like I want you to feel your toe and your feet and where they are on the floor and your butt and the chair and what parts making. And um, I feel like I get a lot of miles out of that. Mm. I think, you know, I mean, like it, a lot of these folks are in crisis mm-hmm. and like the feelings that you described, you know, a lot of them must be feel very overwhelmed and there's just a lot, you know, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can try to imagine, but what would be flooding Yeah, my brain? Well, and- the reality is a lot of those folks there it's where they are being in jail it's not a new thing for them Mm -hmm. you know if you're talking about people who have you know had bad childhoods who have been maybe removed from their parents care who have maybe been you know who have Mm -hmm. had who have not been able to finish school who have had all kinds of experiences you know like for you or me being in jail seems like this really super crazy stressful dangerous place Mm -hmm. but the sad thing is for a lot of the patients who i see at the jail it is not an uncommon thing for them they have been in jail before they'll probably be in jail again this is just a part of their life and um you know so there's that um and you know then there's just always like the you know like if i'm working with somebody who's who can like kind of sit down and talk and explain kind of what's going on and how, how they feel and where they where they came from and whatnot that I kind of like, you know, it's obvious, like, sometimes I try to, if I can, engage the person in a way of, of like, you know, like, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to keep com- coming back here? How do you want to stay out of jail? What are some of the things that you need to do in order to stay out of jail? Or if I have somebody who has kids like, how do you want to break this for your kids? How, mm. how can we not have your kids be here in jail? So, um, yes. Um. Yeah. What, one question. What percentage do you think of the folks that you see are on the streets? Like, whether they're ho- homeless? Because um, I feel like there's this cycle of mental illness and homelessness and then corrections Mm -hmm. and then the police (laughs) response. I, I, I do want to talk about um, the police at some point, Yeah, Um, but yeah. I think that's true. And I think I would add one thing to that and that would be substance use Mm. and particularly meth. Hmm. Um, I think that's kind of the, I think that's kind of how people can end up in a bad situation is mentally ill, not wanting to take meds because they don't make them feel good Mm -hmm. or because they don't want to, or because they don't think that they need them. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a hard time being housed somewhere because they're mentally ill and they're not taking their meds and they're having symptoms that present themselves in a way that make people kind of, not necessarily want to have them in their house or in indoors or being mm-hmm. able like to follow some rules like 
You can't heat your apartment with the stove. You can't put the four burners on your stove to heat your apartment. That's a fire risk. Yeah. You can't do that. Um, and then like when you add, so there's all of that, which is enough. That's enough. Right, right, yeah. right, right there. When you add meth on top of that, it's just, it becomes just extremely volatile. And um, I think that part of what we're seeing with people on the streets right now is a combination of those things. I think that um, it's very hard to work with folks who kind of fit all of those criteria and engage them in the way so that they will want to take meds and will want to not use and will want to kind of do things in their lives that are more positive. It's very hard. It's like a daily, it's like, you know, it's a daily thing you have to do each day. A lot of those folks who do that frontline work are young. They're in their 20, you know, they're, they're young, they're right out of school. They may, you know, have these very great, I, I, you know, thoughts about how things should be that isn't really that in touch with reality. And it's a very hard job, you know, get paid a lot. And um, I don't think you're really, super, super, I don't think you're really supervised all that well. Mm-hmm. And um before too long, you may decide that you want to go do something else. Hmm. So I think I will take this time right now to say what I think. And I think that one of the ways, if we really want to help get folks off the streets, one of the things that we may want to think about doing is all of that frontline staff, having them have a lot more, a lot more support in their, in their jobs. And learn how to use techniques to help folks kind of figure out what they want to do. And in in that, is there like, as far as what they want to do, is there learning about options within the city or or what's available? Mm -hmm. Like if, you know, temporary housing or how to get treatment or um, are, the, are those sort of things incorporated or I, I mean, ideally, or is it much on a much more ba- basic? No, I was thinking much more like you're going to take your meds each day. Uh, okay. So here, much more like yeah. still down. Bare okay. bones. I'm going to yeah. see you each day. I know that you like chocolate. And we're your payee, which means that whatever check you get, we get it. And then we dole out the cash to, to, to you. So I know that you like chocolate. So every day when I come see you for your, whatever, whatever your, 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 your draw is, I'm going to give you a chocolate bar and your meds. Okay. And then you'll go on about your day. And see other folks and do some basically like a lot of like regular check-ins routines sort of scheduled and relationship building correct 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 yeah so just very bare bones day in day out what you know what do you need in order to to be able to remain out in the world doing whatever you want to do, living your own life. You need to take your meds each day. I mean, this is like, these are folks who have like schizophrenia and really, you know, really, you know, big um, uh, 
And so just like kind of keeping them on track with their meds, with their grooming, with Mm -hmm. their, you know, whatever kind of medical needs they may have, you know, maybe they've got some other kind of health problem. Maybe they have a wound, maybe Mm -hmm. their feet are, are like red and raw and they have like a, you know, maybe they have some kind of health problem that needs to be cared for, Mm -hmm. um, that needs to be like at least seen or, or, you know, so just like those very super basic Mm -hmm. things, which is not really very glamorous at all. And we all go into this field because we want to be glamorous. (laughs) And you want to make change, but it's like tiny, tiny, tiny incremental change. Yeah. Speaking of change, I was sort of getting at this earlier, but what's, uh, you sort of talked about what happened with the mental, with like Mm -hmm. mental health system and kind of where, why we are, where we are. But has there been much change in the last like 10, 15 years at all? Or are we like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess in your your time, in the 10 years that you've been working where you are right now anyway, what sort of change have you seen? I don't really, I mean, I think that there's a lot more attention place of uh, getting folks out of jail and into some other program. There's definitely a lot of work being um, put towards that. There are several programs for folks getting out of jail um, that I, you know, I can never keep up with them because they kind of are changing all the time. Mm -hmm. But, and especially like in the past year, there has been a lot of, uh, attempts at just trying to get people out of jail and trying to get them, trying to get their needs met out of jail. And which is really great. I think that, um, one of the things that I've noticed is that, um, there's this like, you know, left side of the spectrum belief that, you know, jails are really bad and people shouldn't be, be there and we should just like let them all go and you shouldn't be in jail if you're mentally ill and all those things, which, you know, I can kind of see how people kind of have that, that point. But I also think that we live in a world where we all want to be kind of safe and be able to kind of walk down the street and not have something happen. Mm-hmm. And you can read the Seattle Times and they mm-hmm. talk about, you know, crimes or whatever that happen and like people, you know, randomly assaulting someone downtown or what have you. Um, it's like, that's unfortunately, that's like, that is something that does go on. Mm-hmm. And um, I would like for people who would like to support some of these folks um, to kind of, it's less of the idea of like jail being the terrible place and more of the, I, I more of the idea of whatever was going on in that per- person's life that got them into jail that needs to change and if you just let somebody out of jail like if you're living in an rv south of downtown and you don't have heat and you don't have water and you're using meth and maybe you have some kind of mental health problem and you end up breaking into someone's house and you get caught and you go to jail if you get let out of jail back to that RV, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. 
And I feel like as a society in Seattle, I feel like we, like, I don't think that there's a whole lot of thought about kind of what's going on in these people's lives when they're outside of jail that makes them go into jail and how can we change that? And I think that as a society, like back when people who were met, met, who, who were ill were kind of locked up um, and it wasn't even that lo- long ago, um, psychiatry has a pretty dark past. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I mean, I'm 52 and in my li- lifetime, things have changed a whole lot. So it, you, it, it, it was at one point, if you, you know, said the wrong thing, if you dressed the wrong way, if you were gay or if you, whatever, you didn't want to have a kid that somebody could lock you up. Right. And, um, that's changed. That's gone now. And now it's like, the opposite extreme. It's like, if you want to smoke meth, smoke, smoke, you know, that, 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 that's fine. If you want to use drugs, if you want to not take, take meds, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. And I feel like that's kind of a problem as well. I think that we kind of need to have some boundaries in place, something in between the two. right? <laughs> and um, yes. I don't feel like, like right now I'm kind of getting off top, top topic, but right now there's like this big thing about the, um, shelter in in Renton at the mm-hmm. Red Lion, I think it's called. And um, it's been there since last year. They've had some problems with folks there. They've had some problems with folks like leaving there and kind of doing things around the town where it is. And the town is like, no, we don't want you here anymore. You, you, you have to, to go. And so Washington State wants to pass a law saying that towns are not allowed to say you can't have a shelter in your town, which is fine. But how about we ask the, how about we ask what's going on and how do we stop that? Mm. How about we ask that? How about we ask, like, I live down, I live in the South End and there's a established place for people who are mentally ill um, and also have some health problems, uh, not too far from my house. And they all live there. They all have housing. They all they all have housing. They're all housed, right? They're mm-hmm. all housed. There was a guy one day, I was buying gas at a place that was a few blocks away from where this place is. And there was a guy who I know lived there in a wheelchair with a Foley bag that was full of like dark amber urine. Mm-hmm. And the nurse in me thought, do you have a UTI? Do you have kidney problems? what's going on with you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. And, I, and like, that's just like, and I called the place and I said, I think there's a guy who lives in your place. He's out in the street, blah, blah, blah. And the person said, can you describe him more? And I thought, do you have more than one person with <laughs> a Foley bag full of dark amber pee and a wheelchair? That's. Yeah. And then just recently, like in the snow, I was driving down the street and I saw somebody else from that place, I think, who was out. It was, there was snow. There was snow. He was in a he was in his wheelchair in the middle of the road. Hands were trying to like he was trying to like get across the street, but he was like spinning out and he had no socks or shoes on his feet. Oh. And if you know, like these are folks who are housed and they're being cared for and they have someone to look after them. And yet they're allowed to like leave their apartment dressed like that or like, so I, that's why I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really, 
I mean, I, I get it that people like want to have like personal autonomy. Like that's a really big deal. Yeah. But if you're choosing to go out in your wheelchair in a snowy road, not wearing socks or shoes on your feet, at what point does society step in and say, you need to put, put you need to put your, your sh- shoes on? Yeah. At what point do we say that? And at what point do people who live in Seattle, who are struggling to make ends meet here, who are dealing with all the things that, that, that we deal with here, see someone like that and think like, oh, that's so bad that no one's take, taking care of them. Or that's so sad or that's so tragic. Well, but they are being cared for. They're just being cared for in a way that allows them to kind of make this choice about mm. how they want to live their lives that continually put themselves in harm's way. Hmm. And where do we as a society come down and say yes and no? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, if you could offer any advice or wisdom to uh, to a lot of us working inpatient, like I don't, I don't, it's advice on how to work with somebody who's mentally ill and maybe kind of not. Yeah. I mean, or just, you know, I mean, I, my feeling is like, you know, there's no overnight fix. There's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that has gone on before you're meeting whoever it is you're meeting, but do you have any advice or, or just thoughts about like how we as providers can interact with people Um, or just some pointers in so that, you know, we can be better clinicians. I think that nurses have a really great role in being able to provide care for folks wherever they come from and whatever walk of life they're from. And I feel like that's like the strength of being a nurse, right? Is being able to do that. And I know that sometimes people who are mentally ill can look kind of scary, um, they can have behave, behave, they can behave in a way that is kind of odd. Maybe they're talking to themselves or they wear five layers of clothing on a hot day or they're pacing back and forth. Um, you know, that they're still inside and beneath all that they are still peep they're still people. And like people do, they respond to kindness. And they respond to um, being treated like they have needs. Um, Things that you or I like to do, like having coffee is a big deal. Um, I think taking a moment to kind of slow down and to kind of look beyond all of the things um, and and to just really see the person who is there and whatever the needs are trying to meet them at that time um you know if you have access to a room with a tv tv can be a really big deal i don't know why but game shows Hmm. game shows are popular what's the one like um the price is right the price is right is like such a popular game show and um, I think being able to find things like that, like finding some kind of a some, some kind of a thing that that the person likes that you can find out and that you can offer them. And um, I think that can make their stay a lot 
you know, less problem with, with fewer problems. I think that, um, you know, people who are mentally ill, many of the times, all of the times when they have to go see a, a doctor or what have you, um, it's been, it's not been a positive thing. Um, people are, you know, people can be given meds that, that, that they don't want to take. They can be restrained. They can, and, and, and while they're mentally ill. So whatever they're seeing, whatever you think is good, whatever, whatever you are trying to do, whatever's being done, they may perceive it as something totally different from that. And so, um, the idea of like trust is a really big deal. And I think approaching someone with the knowledge, it's kind of like trauma-informed care, right? Mm -hmm. Approaching somebody with the knowledge that times in the past when you've been in a place like this, it's been really bad. You've been maybe, maybe you've been restrained. Maybe they like gave you meds you didn't want. Maybe you couldn't leave when you wanted to. Maybe you didn't know why or how. Kind of like approaching somebody with the knowledge of that. And I'm going to approach them knowing that they may be coming with this baggage, right? And so I'm going to, um, you know, try to find one thing that they like. And I'm going to just use that for, in order for us to be able to kind of make some kind of a, bridge. I'm just so grateful that you've decided to do this podcast. I think it's just, I mean, so informative. I'm not wrapping it up or anything. I just, I'm just, I just want to show you gratitude, Shana. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. You know, I have to tell you, I've been doing this work for 18 years. I was a nurse um, for like two or three years and then I went into this field I've been doing this work for like 17 years and um you know it's really uh and I and I have like a core group of pe people who I know from work um and you know as fr frustrating as it can be and as hard as it can be and uh, you know there are so many things that it would be really great if our clients could do x y or z um, for all of that, for all of that, you know, there is a lot of, there is a lot of like value that, that I get for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I have some clients who I've known for years and I see them and they see me and they're not, you know, it's just like, it's just a nice, it's just like a nice thing to be able to share. And especially when you think about folks for whom trust is a really big deal to be able to earn someone's trust, um, you know, that's not nothing. And um, I'll tell you a funny story. I, there's a guy who I know from the jail a lot of times. And um, one time I was seeing him at the jail and um, he had, I thought he had like poop on the cell floor mm -hmm. and it was, it wasn't poop. It was a, it was a towel that was wet. And I asked him, why is there poop on your floor? And he got angry at me and he picked it up and he threw it out the pass through and it hit me in the back of the lab coat. <laughs> and then he was like, it's not poop. Come here. <laughs> I walked over and he like picked it up. <laughs> 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 but 
But he's somebody who I, uh, he had, you know, he's somebody who um, I see around town a fair amount. And, um, you know, he's somebody who, um, he's an older, smaller African American man. And um, I think that sometimes he, sometimes he has like poop in his hair. Mm -hmm. And I have kind of thought that he did that because it keeps people away from him. It probably like protects him. Mm -hmm. And one time I was going into a store in Seattle and I saw him out front and he um, said hi to me. I said hi back. And he came over and he kind of like gave me a hug. And I was like, what, I'm, what am I going to do? I gave him a hug. <laughs> I gave him a half hug. Right. And I went into the store and I said, can I use your bathroom? <laughs> He did a little sh shampoo, a little, little rinse off. Yeah, yeah, right. Because if you want to respect that trust, right? Yeah. So you weren't going to blow him off. No. No, and oh. sometimes, no, I'm just like, hey, I see you. You know, like, I'll shake your hands. You know, like, that was my, that was my only hug. <laughs> and it caught me off guard. I probably was feeling extra, oh, I should be nice to him. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you never know. Someone's gonna have never know poop in their hair. Um, I, I, you know, as you've been talking, and I've been thinking about someone we see a lot who is, you've probably seen over the years. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Um, but definitely suffers some mental illness, in and out of homelessness, um, on the street a lot, and you know, drug use and whatever. But. I love it when he comes in. in. It's never good. It's never yeah. good, right? Because to come to the ICU, like, that's not good. Yeah. But I always love it when I see him, um, you know, and he loves to eat, you know, and so we just give him lots of food and yeah. obviously like, loves to be warm because he spends all his time being cold. And yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I, I think he's great. Um, I, and I'm always surprised and he's still, still here. Yeah. Still, still here. Yeah, I'm definitely. Just, I feel like satisfying somebody's basic needs is how you get that. That's like how you get them to do, you know, to take their meds or if they're in the hospital, they need to have like, IVs in you don't want them pulling them out you don't want them pulling right. out catheters you don't want you want them to cooperate you want them to go get the scans or whatever and you know if it's this or that or you know a show on whatever it is like whatever it is to get people to adhere to whatever the treat, 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 treatment is I would yeah. say that's how you do it mm. so you mentioned something a little bit ago Shana about trauma-informed care. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a, about the work that you do that you recently, we talked a little bit offline about the work that you do and how you got into it, but um, can you talk about your role as um, doing trauma-informed care? Yeah, I think, you know, I probably don't have the, I probably don't have it defined right, but my, the way I kind of see it is trauma-informed care is like, you know, realizing that people come to wherever you are um, with their own story and whatever, whatever has kind of gone on for them and they bring that along with them. And when you approach them um, to be aware of that mm. and to be aware that, you know, certain things mean certain things to 
like, um, um, yeah, so if you are see, like, you know, one thing about working in the jail that's really fascinating is that we have people from all over the world that are, are there for, for sure. Mm-hmm. And people have different traits and different things that they do or what, whatever they think or feel about things. And to approach somebody from the place of being aware that they're coming from something that you may kind of that that you may like touch on something that is really hard for them and they may not know why and you may not know know why but that's not necessarily like their for their fault or your your fault but just coming forth with a sense of that awareness I think about it a lot um, with people who I meet especially in jail who are African American, especially with like what's been going on the past year or so, but even before that, mm-hmm. when I think about um, this is a whole other topic. I apologize, going on another tangent, but just I'll bring it back real, 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 real quick, just to say that you know um, African people who people in the United States who are African American have had a hard time, and many of their families had to like leave the South after the after the civil war in order to find work north because it wasn't safe anymore down there Mm -hmm. and they brought along with them all kinds of fears around what may or may not be right and so when you meet somebody now like i always like i'll often ask folks like where are you from where is your family from do you know where your parents came from do you know what do you know where your your grandparents came from do you know what their story was? Do you know what happened with them? Because those kinds of things kind of get passed down along the lines, right? The mm-hmm. whole idea of like generate gener- of trauma that like goes like goes goes through somebody's family, and um, and I feel like that's kind of wrapped up into this idea of like trauma informed care that somebody may not want to take meds. Like somebody, somebody may not trust take. take somebody may, may not trust meds. They may not trust people in white coats. They may not trust, you know, having these to these labs drawn, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when you're going about your work day and you're taking care of folks and you've got all these tasks that you have to get done, and you, you're cruising along, but there's one person who won't do what you want them to do, and how do you address that? Um, and then it's easy to kind of get into that like power struggle kind of thing mm-hmm. and like to get mad at them and to have like the charge nurse come in and to have the doctor come in and to have the chaplain come in or whomever to kind of solve this pro- problem when, um, you know, there could be something else going on that you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And um, maybe what I would say is if you're taking care of somebody and there's some kind of challenge or some kind of struggle that seems kind of not even really like a big deal to 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 you but the person won't do whatever it is um to maybe that's a good time to kind of stop for a second and Mm. to like you know take a nice deep breath feel your feet in the floor look at the person and kind of ask like is there something about this that's bothering you Mm. is there something about this that I don't get help me find help me know what you're experiencing and why you don't want to do whatever the thing is realizing that you know this person is not wanting to do whatever it is they have to have done and it's like 
taking up time of my day that I don't really have. And what's the big deal? Um, like that's, that is the moment when I feel like if you can, if you want to, to kind of stop for a second and to ask, like, is there something about this that I don't know and that I should find out mm. before I let myself get angry? Uh, that's very good advice. That's very, <laughs> very good advice. Very applicable. Uh, you're right. We see it all the time in the setting of this control yeah. Like this um, issue of control, like yeah. you're supposed to do this, but they don't, don't want to do this. And so, yeah. I mean, that's su super, super applicable. And uh, yeah. uh, I really appreciate Yeah. Well, and my question for you, um, you know, with the work that you do is when that happens, what is the recourse? Mm. I mean, my... <laughs> I mean, really, it's like, okay, so let's say we're, I have a patient who decides that they don't want to take something. Um, and, you know, I don't, I personally don't like to push very hard because I I do feel like it's, uh, it's more like, okay, well, if I'm not going to make somebody do something, unless they're not in, unless they don't have met capacity for decision making. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I, I try to offer space, mm -hmm. distance, um, maybe a little curiosity. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I typically will loop in a provider, you know, cause there are certain things that, you know, if somebody doesn't want to take like heparin, you mm -hmm. know, cause you can get a blood clot. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. You might have someone, might have a physician come and talk to the patient about the importance of whatever it is. And um, yeah, I mean, that's sort of our culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, really not to push too hard. I think it's, well, you know, like I appreciated what you said about not getting angry because it's, um, well, it's not personal right? It's not personal, like whatever. And look back to what you said, you know, people are coming in with all this so much. And so, you know, and I'm, this is an aside, but I'm always amazed at how pleasant most people are when they're in pleasant and cooperative when they're in the, such a environment because, you know, they're at their worst, they're at their worst. But anyway, um, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. That sounds really good. I mean, uh, you know, I would, um, you know, one thing that you might want to do is if you have the time, is just like to ask the person, like, you know, what do you think this is for? And mm -hmm. why do you not want to take it? And mm -hmm. have you ever heard about this before in the past? And do you know, like what, how serious a blood clot could be, you know, kind of like, just to kind of get a sense of like, what is their knowledge base around mm -hmm. whatever this thing is? And um, is there something that I could do to get you to take it? What would that be? Mm -hmm. hmm. That's a great, great question. But you know what? I got to say something. Um, you know, I was a nurse for like three years. My son was a preemie and he was in the hospital for like 113 days. And wow. um, let me tell you, like the nurses there, I will never forget the hmm. nurses that took care of my son mm. and um, at, you know, and 
the doctors were fine. They were fine. They came in, they came and they went, they came and they, they came and they, they came and they, they, they would sign his chart and whatever, but the nurses were the ones who were there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like when you have that experience, I feel like when you have that experience of being like vulnerable and having somebody you love, like need some kind of care and these people come in and they take care of him and they take care of you and they're nice about it. And they do like, that's like, you don't, you never forget that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And I think that, um, you know, as far as like nursing goes, like there are a lot of people who are NPs like me who have a DNP, a doctorate of nursing yeah. practice, and they like to be called doctor, which, you know, whatever, if that's what flows your boat, that's fine. But, you know, like um, nursing is like the most trusted, you know, like nursing is, why would you want to be more if, if like, use that that's Mm. like the special part about you the nurse part is like the most special part about you like that's what people trust that's what people Mm. like that's what people that's you know that's who's there when no one else is there right like right three o'clock in the morning the doctor's not there Mm -hmm. um and so i i really like to push like i've sometimes i'll have like people coming in from school and students and I like to really kind of challenge them on that and kind of push them on that and encourage them to kind of really embrace the nurse in, in their training because that is the most special part for sure. Mm. It's like what your, I feel like your, what do you call them, COs? At the, yeah, correction officers. Y- yeah, they got mm-hmm. a little nurse in them. They, you know what? That's exactly right. And it feels the same way. Like when you're a nurse on a floor and you're there eight hours, 10 hours, whatever it is, and the doctors come and go and they act like they own the place. At least that's what I remember. It's been a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel it's the same way at the jail. Like the CEOs are there. Like they're the ones who are like serving the meals and giving out the clothes and setting time, like time out for, for showers. And they're the ones who are there day in and day out. They kind of, and they see folks like, throughout the course of time. So on day one, the person is like yelling and screaming and calling you every name in the book on day three, they're kind of not doing that. And on day five, they're not talking at all. Like that's a problem. Right. And like, and so they kind of are the ones who kind of bring that to our light. And, you know, um, I don't, you know, one thing I will also say about King, about the, about the County jail is that, um, even when it's not convenient for a person to be ill and to need more care, they always get more, more, more care. We're never told you That's can't great. do that now because we're short staffed. We're never That's told. That's great. That. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. A little plug. Yes. Yay. That's great. I mean, that's awesome. It's nice in our own backyard that that's, that's how it is. Yeah. Um, a lot of places it doesn't really work out like, like that. Like you read about a lot of these like private run play, 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 places. And it's all about the bottom line and it's all about, you know, not really providing care for, for folks and, mm-hmm. you know, sad, sad that, that, that that's what takes place. But, mm-hmm. um, and I feel for those folks who are there, like, could you imagine if you were mentally ill in jail in, you know, Alabama or Florida or, That'd be you scary. Know, I, I mean, it's bad enough here. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really scary. Yeah. Um, 
can we, we talk go back to your work that you do so are do you do you take so you take clients do you um and do you do like trauma informed care and in sort of like a private practice setting Correct. I have a private pra- 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 practice. I take clients. I bill whatever insurance plan they have, the ones that I'm enrolled with. Um, I see clients two days a week. I actually, my, my, I have just grown, just added another gal to my practice. I see folks who are the opposite of everybody who I've ever wor- worked with in the past. Um, and it's been really, it's been really good for me actually mm. it's been good for me um it makes me better at my job at the jail for sure and um you know I see folks for and, and you know like we, we I meet them um we talk uh I see them every week or every two two weeks depending on whatever their needs are the meds that we use in the jail for people who have had really crappy lives and they don't really work all that well because they don't, they're not going to fix that. Um, for people who are stable, are housed, have jobs, are able to eat and sleep and have a life, the medications, they work. <laughs> the medications work. Some of the meds work. That's great. Some of the medications work. It's amazing. And, you know, it's a totally different amount that you, you know, it's like you're very careful and, gentle and you kind of go slower and you have like the time to kind of talk about what's going on. And so I do that. And then I also do um, EMDR, which is a way, which is a, a way to treat people who have experienced trauma. And um, it's been really fascinating to go ahead and to do that. Um, it's a whole process and um, it took a lot of training um, to get to kind of where I'm at now. And I have, quite a few clients who I've done it with enough. So now I kind of feel like I'm not, I feel good about it. Yeah. When I first time I was like really kind of, cause like in mental health, if somebody has experienced trauma, there's like this unspoken rule of never ask them about the trauma because you might make them feel bad. Okay. And then you might be able to get them back to a state of more nor- normal. Yeah. And um, so it's, taking a while I like to kind of get past that mm-hmm. um it's amazing to see folks like get well and to see folks like make do kind of like do things in their lives that they weren't able to do before like say no at work or move out mm-hmm. of a place that wasn't good for it for them or just kind of it's been really great to see folks kind of you know be able to make some to kind of change some some things in their lives and um, it's been really good. It's been good. That is incredible. One one question: EMDR, eye movement, desensitize, eye movement, and reprocessing. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, one of our so, previous ho- guests talked about she did that for her oh, good. trauma. It was the episode where the woman experienced a helicopter crash. Um, oh my gosh! And survived, and yeah. sort of talked how how did she work through that? Some of the trauma, some of it was EMDR, yeah. and then brain spotting, and then cognitive behavioral therapy, too. Um, but anyway, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um, and I want to make a plug. To- oh no. 
Go ahead. I, I want to just go back. I wanted to kind of, if I could kind of tie this all up into a nice neat bow. Um, I worry about, <laughs> I, I worry about people who are working in the field right now. They're working or as a nurse in intensive care or not, who are seeing all of these COVID deaths and COVID people being really ill. And I worry about the level of like burnout that people may be experiencing. I worry about people who work in places in, in the United States that don't believe in COVID. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine working. I can't imagine. I mean, now we're, we're getting vaccines. So, you know, it's not quite as bad, but I cannot imagine. And this is somebody who's like worked in a jail and been around folks who have done all kinds of things, been accused of all kinds of things and worked out, seen people in all kinds of situations. I cannot imagine going to work risking my life day in and day out for people who do not believe it's real. And I don't know how you recover from that. I don't know how people who are, who are working um, and who are seeing all of this and then they leave work and people aren't wearing masks or they leave work and people are saying nasty things to them because they're, they're wearing scrubs or what mm -hmm. whatnot. I don't know how you make that work in your brain. And I worry about what's going to happen down the road because um, it's a really hard job that you all do. And, um, you know, I don't know how, I don't, I, 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 I hope that as things start to get better, as people start to, as like fewer folks are getting sick and as we're, as life returns to normal, whatever that will, 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 will be. I hope that there are some attention paid to the people who have been kind of doing all this work for all this time to kind of get them back to a place where they feel like they can go back to work. Cause being a nurse is, is I just can't imagine how, how hard that must be. And is that something that people are talking about in your mm -hmm. work? Do you, do people talk about that at all? Uh, so I think now that now that more people are getting vaccinated, um, we're not talking about it as much. We were certainly talking about it um, as we were surging all over the country, mm -hmm. and um, the what yeah what a slap in the face and. Um, how demoralizing yeah. and traumatizing and fucked up that was just, yeah. I mean, I don't know. And, and then, you know, we're, we're seeing at least where I am nurses leaving, you know, um, maybe not necessarily the profession, but maybe some bedside we're mm -hmm. seeing them, you know, do some travel contract stuff too, because this is a whole different kind of thing, but you know, travel money, travel nursing money is insane right now. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, what well, we're seeing a shift, mm -hmm. um, and then us definitely some people questioning longevity, like that's mm -hmm. come up a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, and, um, just, I'm on TikTok and so it, I'm sort of like it, TikTok's weird it's like a window into these tiny places all over the world and mm -hmm. all over the country so 
you know, I could see nurses from, you know, talking from places where it's been so bad, Arizona, Florida, California, New York, um, and North Dakota, I, North Dakota, South Dakota. I don't, I also don't know how people are going to recover and I can't, can't blame them if they leave, even though I don't want them to. And, and, but whatever, what I, I mean, I, I can't blame anybody if they're yeah. like my country just gave me the big F you. And yeah. so why, I don't, I don't know. I hope that we can talk about this in the future as a community of nurses and like, how do we, how do we move forward? Yeah. It's like a silent war that we had because un, sort of unseen, yeah. just sort of in the similar way that your work is hidden. Yeah. Some of this is very hidden. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, it's a, I worry too. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that um, going forward, um, I would like to, if there is a opportunity for working with folks, I would be more than happy to do that. Oh. Yeah. Um, if anybody who's listening wants to work with you, Shana, how how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way? I well, can also link up stuff in the... Okay, yeah. I can send you my website. Um, yeah, I'll send you my web- website. And I think that... Um, you know, you have a lot of people who you know in the field, and um, if there's like the chances for like a group or something, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would be really great. I could see doing like some mi- mindfulness and um, some like you know basic you know acknowledgement of kind of what people have been through and to kind of like validate whatever their experiences have been. Um, to kind of give some uh, homage to the fact that people have like people like risked their lives and didn't weren't around their fa- fa- families or all of the things that have been going on for the past year that like that meant something that that mm. meant something it wasn't for nothing you know I think that um, I think that I, that's that's what I would like I like I like to have a nice big group. <laughs> okay well i'll i'll try to work on that um okay. <laughs> uh that would be amazing i mean that would be absolutely amazing i think that there's a definite need there and i mean of course i'm getting emotional listening to you say all that and um i mean not good but yeah i mean i no, feel like yeah it's, it's good i think what you said it was not for not right it's not yeah. it's not for not yeah oh <sighs> Man, the New York Times. I don't know if wow. you saw the movie that they did. The short. Yes, I did. Brutal. I know. I bawled. Yeah. I watched it and just bawled and just bawled my way through it. But it was very meaning, very meaningful, because it it showed the reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like I was talking to a friend of mine. She has a student. She, she has a class of. 12th graders, and we were talking, I was talking about this topic, and I said, um, you know, for all of us who are old enough, we saw the planes hit the Twin Towers, and that's, like, forever soothing your brain, but, like, this, like, you don't see it, and, like, Washington State and Seattle and the county, like, for all the things you can say about this area, which there are a lot of them, and they would probably not be wrong, we have done a really good job here. Yes. Yes. We have done a really good job here, and, yes. um, 
And it's like the fact that like when you wear a mask, when you're good about not gathering, when you're doing all the things, you don't get like you don't see it. Like you don't get sick. And so um I think that that also kind of makes it like just it's very abstract. Very abstract. Yeah. Yeah. It's like on the one, on one side, it's so great. I mean, I, I've been, I, I actually sent uh, Jay Inslee like a note saying, thank you for <laughs> saving my life, you know, because he was so early, like early about getting, um, you know, the shutdown and the mask mandates and the all this stuff. And, and of course, like the, we have such a huge academic medical community here and believes in the science and all this stuff. And so like those several things, those are aligned. And then we have people who also believe in science and they're all masked up and stuff. And then you have the people that don't believe that they're like, there's no problem here. Like what's because, because we did such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a big juxtaposition. So, uh, Shana, I just want to thank you for such a rich conversation. Um, I hope I can meet you sometime in the per- in person. Um, thank you for reaching out to me. Do you, yeah. do you have any last closing closing thoughts for the show? Um, no, I would just say thank you for having this podcast. I think it's really great. I'm very pro nurse, and I think that anything that gets the nurses out there, um, you know, I think that we need to have more of that. So, oh. that's good. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Now my heart is swelled up like a balloon. Um, thank you so much. Uh, it's such I'll a pleasure. I'll my website and yeah. then there's a way for us to have like a group. If there are people out there on the in the podcast land who feel like they want to be a part of a group um, to kind of talk about or to work through some of the feelings, the thoughts, the experience they've had this past year, let's do it. Yes. Yep. Um, and I'll link up, um, Shana's website in the show notes and you can always reach out to me through foundownpodcast at gmail.com if you are interested or I I can, I don't know. Do you want to mention your email or we'll just, well, just, they can just link through my website. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. I have to, you know, I spent a lot of money on the website, so I need to get some miles out of it. So people have okay. to look at my website. <laughs> I'll link up the website and I will. <laughs> so go to her website, go to Shana's website. Um, all right. Well, as always, Thank I'm going to close this out by saying stay safe and stay sane and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddown3.